0: Welcome to Finessing Your Finances with Baruch Hlebinski on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn. Today we're going to be speaking about making Aliyah and planning for Aliyah. As we know, many people come to Israel every year. How do they plan to make Aliyah? What does one do in order to be ready to make Aliyah? And you were just telling me that still, even though so many people seem to have come living here in Ramaphat Chamesh, the numbers of Aliyah don't seem to have gone down.
1: I think they've been pretty consistent over the last decade or so. I don't know the exact numbers, but we're looking at between four to 5,000 people are coming every year on Aliyah from North America. There's a smaller amount that are coming from other English-speaking countries, but it's much lower from England and South Africa, Australia.
0: I think a lot of people listening right now who may be thinking about making Aliyah are wondering about the financial commitment. There still are financial challenges, even though Israel is the startup nation. There's so much good stuff going on here in terms of finances. If you don't have a startup that's making millions of dollars and has massive investors, There are concerns. What should people think about when making Aliyah? Okay, so
1: first of all, I just want to comment on the most famous Jewish joke out there about making a fortune in Israel. So things really have changed dramatically here financially over the last 20, 30 years. The Israeli economy has been one of the strongest economies in the world now, going back the last 20 years. The currency has been strong, exports are growing, the standard of living is growing here. And so while it was very true, I believe in the 50s, and the 60s, and the 70s, that they used to come on Aliyah and many times they would really, really struggle. Today, it's very different. With a proper plan, you can come on Aliyah and be very successful financially here in Israel. But of course i do recommend highly recommend that people put together a plan they should have a plan in order to make it work that includes a lot of steps before aliyah and things immediately after aliyah such as what what would someone do before he makes aliyah okay so before aliyah i would say that there are two main things that people need to work on one of them is the area of employment making as many connections as you can reaching out to potential employers here in israel trying to arrange a situation potentially where you can keep your employment there are many many people making aliyah. i speak to them all the time who are successfully able to transition to working in israel but still continue to work in the united states for their employer The internet has changed the ability for people to be able to continue to have their jobs. And if they can do that and keep their salaries, it will tremendously help their transition. Admittedly, they are dealing with an American time zone issue, which means that they're starting work at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Correct. And there are social elements and social issues related to that, that you have a family member that's working in those hours where the kids are getting home from school and where there's dinner and, and, and the evening hours. But I think that if somebody can come and have the stability that that income provides, at least initially, until they can integrate into the system, until they can adjust, it creates a tremendous amount of stability financially knowing that from day one, you already have a job. Okay, that's a great thing for those people who can swing that.
0: Obviously, most people can't continue to work in Israel with their job from America or wherever they used to live. What does someone else do in a situation like
1: that? Okay, so somebody else who doesn't have a job needs to be putting a plan in place how they're going to work. That could be somebody who has a profession a dentist, a doctor, somebody who needs to get certified, they need to already start looking into that process. They need to see how they get certified. Maybe they can already start the process. There are ways through Nefesh nefesh, especially, where professionals can already get that certification before they come on Aliyah so that when they come here, they already can have a, a running start. They can already get right into the job market. It could be that your profession is, is a profession that you can't work in in Israel. It could be that you don't have a strong enough language and you need to transition to something else. So you should already start having a plan in place of which direction you want to go. Do you need to take time to acquire the language? Do you need to make the connections? Do you want to work in high tech? Do you want to start up your own business? You should already be going through the motions before of putting that plan in place and creating a whole bunch of options. Many, many people change professions when they make Aliyah, and that's completely legitimate. You have to see what's going to work for you over here based on the environment over here. Are there organizations that are set up,
0: I know there's Nefesh Benefesh, I don't know exactly what they do for this, that will help people transition from one profession to another
1: they the aliyah? Yeah, Nefesh Benefesh is probably the primary organization that is helping people. There are other organizations like the ACI, the Association of Americans and Canadians in Israel. There are other organizations that also are helping with employment. For instance, I know of an organization in the Tel Aviv area that works with young, single olim that are coming to Israel. And they're not coming to Ramat Shemesh or Yerushalayim. They're coming to Tel Aviv. And there's a vibrant English-speaking community there. And they've created a larger English-speaking community there that is able to help new olim with networking contacts and creating a real network to be able to reach out to potential employers.
0: Now, I have a friend who about a year ago lost his job. And it took him a long time to find another job, and thankfully he found another job. But in describing the process of looking for a job, it was actually very scary. He talked about the numbers of applicants for a single position, very, very daunting. What is the job market like, particularly for somebody who might have a language issue?
1: Things have changed, I believe, dramatically in for terms, the better? In terms of how people search for jobs today. It could be that when we came out of like, you know, university twenty or thirty years ago, that it was more standard to send out resumes. People at least I think had a certain fallacy that, oh, I send out resumes, now you send out the email and you try and follow it up. But I I, I think it's changed. Although I remember when I went through my MBA also, we heard statistics that seventy or eighty percent of all jobs out there were through personal contacts. And I think it's even more important today. Networking, networking, networking. That is the critical area of job searching. You have to make contacts, you have to reach out to the people who potentially can introduce you. I know that whenever I've hired staff, the first source is going through people you know, Talking to people, connections, and only then going out to the general job market because there's just a certain level of comfort that you have with people that you know. That can be very
0: difficult if you're making LA and you don't really know that many people. That's
1: why you have to network. That's why with the OLE community, you have to network in advance. You have to reach out to all those people that you know, have made Aliyah, the connections through Nefesh B'Nefesh, Nefesh B'Nefesh will give you a list of people within your field, and you just have to start going and meeting with them, whether you're meeting with them virtually, over the phone beforehand, or immediately like in person, and you just have to talk to everyone that you can about possibilities and explore different areas that you might not have considered in the past. You have to open up your mind to those potentials. Aside from the job market, what else should a person do in making his plan for Aliyah? Besides job security and and trying to create this flow of income in a consistent basis, the other major part of the Aliyah story is putting together a financial plan of what my life is going to look like financially when I make Aliyah. And that relates to both my finances currently in the United States or Canada and what changes need to take place before I make Aliyah and what it's going to look like upon making Aliyah. So for instance, when you're making Aliyah, one of the things you need to look into is what's gonna happen with my insurance. I have insurance in the United States and the insurance might be life insurance, it might be health insurance. What's gonna change now that I'm coming to Israel? What do I need to adjust? So I might need to change my policy. I might need to get a, a guarantee from my insurance company that they're gonna cover me in Israel. Besides insurance, you also have to look at things like investments. I have certain investments I have in the United States and that might have been appropriate when I'm living in the United States. But now that I'm moving to another country, I need to evaluate whether things need to change in my portfolio. A portfolio that is based on somebody living in the United States is gonna be very different than a portfolio for somebody living here in Israel. Why is that so? Most portfolios around the world have what is called a local bias. Local bias means that the majority of investments will tend to be in the local currency. That's not to say you don't diversify, that we don't look to to spread out the risk among different countries and different currencies, but there is a natural investment bias to the local country because then you can keep your risk associated with what's happening in the local country. So if I'm living in Canada, I want there to be a certain connection with my portfolio and investments related to the Canadian dollar, because you could have a situation like we've seen over the last four years, where the Canadian dollar has devalued against the US dollar, against the shekel, by upwards of 30%. And if I have my portfolio in another currency, I'm open to those types of losses and that type of variance in the value of my portfolio. But if I have my portfolio tied to the local currency, to the country, to the country risk, to what's happening locally, so then I r- reduced my level of risk. What I tell people as an analogy is if, if you were living in the United States and somebody recommended that you should invest all your portfolio in Japan, I think the yen is going to be the best currency and the stock market there is going to be great. That's the place to invest. And If an advisor said that to somebody and I was living in the United States, I still wouldn't be comfortable having 100% of my portfolio invested in Japan if I'm living in the United States, because it's a country 5,000 miles away, because the regulatory environment is different, because they're going to make decisions over there in Japan for people living in Japan, whether it's the savings rate, the interest rates, the changes that they're going to make in the economy are going to serve local investors and the local population. And they're not going to take me into account if I'm living in the United States. So it's exactly the same analogy for somebody who's living in Israel. You might feel comfortable having a certain amount in the United States and to keep a certain part of your portfolio, and some of your portfolio you will have to keep in the United States because it might be in retirement-based and you can't take it out, but you also have to start integrating a certain more international component and an Israeli shekel-based component into your portfolio when you make Aliyah. What other things should a person do when planning, aside from that? You talked about
0: jobs, you talked about portfolio and diversification, what else?
1: Putting together a budget. People need to project what their finances are going to look like in Israel. There are a couple major items that will change for the better when you make aliyah. Such and as? The, the two major items that generally go down in your budget are medical costs, medical insurance in Israel, is subsidized. It's all through the socialized medical system. Yes, there are add-ons that you can pay extra through your local Coupa or HMO, your health fund, to get extra service. You can buy private insurance, but the basic medical care in Israel is all paid through a general tax on all salaries. And so you don't have it as a separate payment to insurance companies, which is generally a very large percentage of one's budget in the United States. The other area that people especially young couples, tend to save on is tuition. We all know that private school tuition in in the United States is out of this world. And if somebody has a large family, they can be paying in the tens of thousands, if not even more, just on tuition. And When you come to Israel, depending obviously where you wanna send your child, you can really reduce that tuition bill to a fraction of it. So those are two of the main things that you're gonna save money on. But unfortunately, Everybody's we also <laughs> know that there are also things that you're going to start paying more money on. So the standard of living here, the cost of living, I should say instead, is really quite high. There are a lot of areas where things are more expensive. And you mentioned before, examples, yeah, right, you mentioned before, you were looking for a car, right? So car prices here are, are much more expensive than the United States. Gas prices are much more expensive. I would say even ongoing repairs and maintenance of one's car. Are a lot more expensive than it is in the United States. And, and that can be a nice addition to your budget that you have to take into account.
0: So a big part of what you do when making this plan, when you're thinking about Aliyah, is to put together a budget and figure out what costs will go down, what costs will go up, and see how I can make it work and what I need to make in a
1: salary. Correct. Right? Correct. And it also takes into account where you want to live. Another major impact, obviously, on your budget is where I decide to live. Not only which community I decide to live because there are different standards of living in different communities, but also how large an apartment or house I'm going to buy And People come from the United States and Canada with this assumption that, well, I was living in a house before I came and now I need to live in a house over here, but it could be that you can't afford that. Or, or it could be that you need to transition into a, a house initially and pay more, but you have to do it with your eyes open, knowing how much it's going to cost and what are all the other associated costs when you have a house. you have Rent, obviously, that's going to cost a certain amount, but there's also all the ancillary payments that come, whether it's our nona municipal tax, whether it's your electrical or the water or the upkeeper in the garden. Everything else also has a major impact, and so you have to put this plan together that looks at the big picture and sees that at least you know how it's going to make it. How,
0: how does a person, though, sitting in the United States, for example, not living in Israel, know what these costs are? What resources are there to enable him to figure out what will gardening be in the following community? What will the price for the department be in this neighborhood?
1: So th- there are a lot of resources online, whether it's through the Nefesh Beneffish website. I, I have different budgets that I've created for them over the years that are available through their websites. There are are organizations you can contact and financial planners like myself who work with a lot of Olim to give them the basic information about how it's going to work here and you also have to just talk to people you can talk to those friends if you're targeting a specific community most people know people in that community and they can start talking to them and you can put drafts together of a budget of what it's going to look like and compare it to friends Finances are, in many cases, a much more open subject here. It's taboo in a lot of communities, especially uh, when it comes to wages and what people are earning, what they're spending... But Israel is a very open society, and people talk quite freely, and you'll get a lot of information just by talking to people.
0: And also the fact is that when people come to Israel, people who already live here are usually very excited about the prospect of people making Aliyah. It's an ideological type of thing. So it's not seen as, oh, great, another competitor for my job. It's seen as, great, another Jew's moving to Israel. So people are very happy to share that information if it will
1: help somebody make Aliyah. Definitely, definitely. People are open. They're willing to share that information. And you just have to... Network and find those people in that community that are similar to your situation to be able to get a basis. You're never going to know for sure. you're never going to be able to plan. I, I tell people when i when I work with them in terms of budgeting, you can never plan to the nth degree to know exactly what you're going to spend. It has to just provide you, with a basis to be able to help you make decisions. If somebody comes on Alian, they don't even have a plan in place. They have no idea what they're gonna spend. What happens is that just spending gets out of control and they can whittle down their savings tremendously over that period of time, especially the first year where there's a lot of extra expenses, whether it's just integrating the kids and tutoring or, or it might be a period of time where you don't have a job. You have to at least know what your plan is. Do I need to spend six months finding a job, and therefore I need to budget that I'm going to go into my savings a certain amount, or can I at least immediately like expect to have a certain amount of income that's coming from something that's going to help me get through that period of time? There's nothing wrong with budgeting a deficit initially when you're coming on Aliyah. What you can't do is you can't budget a perpetual deficit.
0: Okay, Baruch, this is very, very helpful, I'm sure, for everybody. I'm learning a lot. We were supposed to speak about once you make Aliyah, but we ran out of time. So let's save that for the next episode, okay? Sounds great. Now, if anyone wants to contact you and learn more about how they can plan for Aliyah, how do they reach you?
1: The best way to reach me and to also to get a lot of resources of, of different articles, budgets, and my book as well that's available is through my website at www.labinsky.com, L-A-B-I-N-S-K-Y. And our office number is 972-2991-0029. And Baruch's book is
0: called A Financial Guide to Aliyah and Life in Israel, written five years ago but with information which is fully relevant now.
1: 100% relevant.
0: Thank you for joining us today. I'm Scott Kahn with Baruch Levinsky. This has been Finessing Your Finances on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Make sure to subscribe to this and other great podcasts by going to JewishCoffeeHouse.com.